Greetings, ladies and gents, and welcome to this daily science fiction extravaganza, commonly known as Tales, Tales from Outer from space. Out, space. Out, space. Taken from the subreddit HFY, all the relevant links will be down below. And, as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please consider supporting the channel. On to the science fiction. Story number one. Just an asteroid written by the anti-snipe. The Terran Dequia Natural Zone, TY2195. It has been three years since the last battle between the Terrans and the Dequias. Both sides have fallen into an uneasy truce. However, the neutral zone, spanning a few light minutes across, of debris and asteroids still remains empty, at least in the public eye. However, it is in reality a place where factionless scavengers hunt for usable components, weapons and minerals to sell on the black market. By law, these incursions are illegal, but no protection is provided to any ship of any sort of uh, illegal acquisition resource. Pirates roam free in the area, mostly warlike factions like the Dequas and the Aquas, Akers, and they are not beyond murder, or worse. Even so, this does not stop some humans from going straight into the danger zone and trying to steal military tech, humans and Dequas alike. It is, however, for the most part, every man for himself. We thought that our plan was foolproof, that it was uh, a walk in the park. As the human saying goes, the ship that we were currently seeing on our primary display was the Kobayashi Maru, and indicator said, the name made no sense to us. Maybe it was a human phrase. Those idiots were always all of the sort of cryptic bullcrap. Even the vessels of war carried names like the Mjolnir and Odin's Wrath. The ship had been trapped in one of the perfectly set EMP cages that we had rigged around the very valuable Daraquirian railgun. Now they were frecked, and even the slightest movement would trigger a massive EMP charge. Six of them, actually. We weren't taking any chances. Scans showed that the ship had no weapons and was a non-combat cargo freighter. There was nothing near the wreckage, only an asteroid full of titanium ore that had been responsible for the damage to the Dequarian ship itself remained, albeit shattered in two. Hail them, I said in my communications officer. It would be so easy, began the communications officer, Tyrell. No, I interrupted, we'll not destroy them. I gave an evil grin, showing hundreds of sharp teeth as my tongue tasted the air, flicking quickly. As if it was thinking of a fun it was going to have torturing and killing human crew later. We'll take their resources then. We will kill them all. The crew on the bridge laughed. No non-combatant ship deserved mercy. Everyone agreed. Those humans were fools. All of them trying to salvage resources without bringing guns along. Let them think that they were going to spare them. And then they would enjoy the feeling of hopelessness as they realized that none of them we're getting out of this alive. If we had known what we were in for, we would have up and left at that very moment. But we were naive. We had no idea about how humans are. Our entire time being pirates, we had never had a run-in with a human ship. 
It had been mostly stupid furry attacks who were easily fooled by our guarantees of safety. We had thought that humans, being mammals and untrained as they were, would be the same stock, and always thought that the fighters of the Terran Dequeer War was being exceptions to the norm. Looking back, it was absolutely stupid of us. An empty cargo freighter with only half of its full in should have been raised a few red flags at least, but at the time, we were overconfident. Hey, wait, sir, they're, um, hating us. What? Well, okay, put it up on screen. They had probably accepted their fate and were hating us for the usual spare us boohoo speech. On screen, he saw a human wearing a black jacket that bore the name of Johnson. His hair was grey, a sign of age in the humans from what he'd heard. He began to speak, but was instantly snubbed by me. Before you plead for your pitiful life, human, I'll explain to you the predicament you're in. You are stuck in an EMP cage that restricts any communication to ships other than ours. We want your freighter. Once you hand over ownership, you and your crew will be allowed to leave via escape pods. Try anything funny, and your freighter will be shot to bits by iron cannon fire. Understand? He demanded scornfully. The human simply looked and shook his head. No, no, you've got it all wrong. His voice faltered into a mumble. Scared, I mused. Freaking coward. Captain, elevated energy readings from the asteroid, said Tyrell. Ignore it, it's probably a bluff. These freighters usually carry mining drills. Those things can do nothing of an offensive perspective. Hey, human, stop your muttering. You might want to take a seat, you little witch. The proclamation. I was expecting a stuttering reply expressing surrender, and this shocked me enough that I literally sat down before thinking, You rude f- I began. Don't interrupt me when I'm talking to you. Quiet rage flickered behind those cold green eyes as his, as if he was a pirate, and I was the one he intended to kill. It scared me. Who was this guy? Your ion cannons, those are not the default cannons, are they? The Terran military paints on them jet black, but these, these have red paint chop with white text that reads, uh, Mercy's Letter for. No, don't try to deny it. It's useless. I saw them with the mining telescope I had. At attack, I stuttered. Start firing cycle, said our weapons chief, Iron grinning. It wasn't every day you got to fire one of the most powerful guns ever made. Johnson simply maintained eye contact with me, if nothing. The man had balls of steel. It wasn't going to save him, anyway. The ion cannons, our only weapons, charged up and started their firing cycle. There were sixteen of them capable of destroying an interceptor class, shields and all, in a single salvo. The charge level went up. Sixty percent. Eighty percent. A hundred percent. And suddenly, it stopped and shut down. What the frick? Aaron exclaimed. My turn said Johnson wickedly. Three things happened at once. The EMP charges around the Kobayashi Maru detonated. At the same time, the Kobayashi Maru shot off a blue pulse, encompassing the whole ship like a false field. The charges impacted and... Uh, nothing. Nothing happened at all. The Kobayashi Maru's light stayed on, and then suddenly, alarms went off on my ship. As the right side rocked and twelve compartments suddenly started venting atmosphere. The frick did you... 
I roared, only to be cut off by Johnson. The Artier, non-combatant, destroyed TY-2178, carrying 16 custom-built ion cannons from the destroyed Terran vessel Magnum Opus, destroyed by a pirate ship Dark Hand. After the pirate captain Bartar promised the Akrak captain Alcap safe passage if she handed over the cargo. I just shut up, Johnson roared. You, Captain Bartar, you have her blood on your hands and I've come for you. My name is Johnson Swift. My wife was on that ship and she helped Alcap with the salvage of the ion cannons. When the RTR never showed up on the mining outpost, there was nothing that I do. I stood there on the docks begging people to help me look for her. Nobody was willing to help. Now, I remembered, she had fought. When we boarded the vessel, she had known what was happening and had primed the ion cannon and fired in a desperate attempt to survive, blowing a bot to my crew as I rushed, shooting her in the stomach with a plasma pistol. I remember how I'd savagely laughed as she bled out, well, we carried the ion cannons away. She said nothing, and I'd forgotten. Until today. He'll come for you. I was an engineer, third rate, between the two of us. We could barely make ends meet, but we were happy. And you ended it all, he roared, his nostrils flaring as he looked at me with the eyes and the savage glint of a man possessed. I worked hard doing all sorts of jobs on ships in the neutral zone. As I work, I found out a lot of things, such as how to make the large-scale Fraunhofer device from the force field tech that you could bypass EMP traps, and overclocking mining lasers to blow apart energy shielding, locating distress signals, detecting traps. Crap, this meaning has always been two steps ahead of us, and whatever money I made, I committed to one thing, buying a ship, then... I bought one. I christened it the Kobayashi Maru from one of my favorite pieces of fiction. It was just a freight carrier. Again, I began to look for crew, but nobody wanted to help me. Being the only human on a mostly aqua mining station doesn't help. He paused with a grim smile. That was when I noticed his eyes were watery. Somehow, this scared me more than his earlier savage grin. So, I started looking. That was ten years ago. I found a black box of the RTF four years ago, beeping its braille signal through the void. Then I read the final transcription by Elizabeth. She had never quite managed to remove the IFF mechanism of the Terran ion cannons. My plan began to take shape, slowly but surely. I spied on you looking at your tactics and checking for traps as I went. Then I found the perfect spot. On the asteroid, I put up a remote drill upside down with targeting set to off. Overclocking takes a massive amount of fuel, so I left half my fuel supply there and lodged myself neatly in your trap, knowing you would take the bait. I also made a Fonhofer device and rigged it to my asteroid shield generator. I already had a rough idea what was going to happen. Clutching my last straw, I tried to provoke him. What are you waiting for, then? Kill me! I'll let you do that, jerk. That's when I realized the magnitude of my mistake. He wasn't going to approach the law. He was the executioner. The mining laser attack locked the main airlock of all the bridge and destroyed your shield generator. 
Your EMP gauge is something I researched. You're stuck in my version of it now, and can only communicate with me. What do you... I left life support control to you. That was when I knew I'd fricked up. I believe that with your physiology, you'll survive for about... Eh, Five days without water before delirium sets in. I'm not so sure about your crew, however. Again, the savage glint in his eyes. No, she would have wanted me to spare you, but I am not going to. Good luck. The communication line broke. Then, as the ship went away, leaving me and my crew helpless. It has been 15 days. I've killed and eaten the last of my crew. The thirst... Won't go away. My hand moves towards the vent button for life support. Slowly. Sluggishly. End of story. Story number two. It was there, written by Shogun CDN. Captain Sher looked up from the report. Her primary scientist blinked nervously. The ruffles on her head waved and scattered the light on the microscales. You sure about this? Captain Sure asked. As much as we can be, sir. Yes, the scientist replied. It is not a space-bearing vehicle. We surmise it is meant only for surface travel. It has similar features to our own transports. I do not see any surfaces anywhere near here. Do we have any ideas as to how it got into space? The captains asked. Based on the lack of damage to the vehicle, it appears to have been brought into space on or perhaps in a vehicle of unknown designation, the scientist replied. Perhaps it was part of a cargo shipment, an accident destroyed the carrier and leaves our mystery vehicle here, Captain Sher thought out loud. That is the theory, but unlikely. We found no other evidence of wreckage to suggest any kind of accident. And, as I said, the vehicle itself is undamaged. Whoever they were, they appeared to purposely put this vehicle into space, the scientist said. Given the somewhat random direction and trajectory, they may have missed their original target, perhaps overshooting a gravity well of their fourth planet. The astro-navigation team is still running the algorithm, the primary scientist said. Captain Shear scratched her neck with a kind claw and received the images of the vehicle. They hadn't expected to find a mystery in this system. By all accounts, the species was barely space-faring, yet they had launched this vehicle far past the giant gas planets to serve what purpose, though? The captain had not intended to make first contact with the species. Her mission was simply to observe and report. They were not nearly ready enough to enter the Commonwealth, but preliminary reports had showed progress. Perhaps another 300 galactic cycles, but this new discovery changed all of that. She stared again at the red metal object with the four large disks and the ridiculous likeness of one of the species strapped into the seat. The resources, ingenuity, and time it must have taken them to do so was impressive. But the question remained... They did this because, uh... End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this dose of science fiction fun. I hope that you enjoyed. And if you did, please don't forget to support the author from the link down below. But if you want to support this channel, there are links as well down below for you to help with. But the easiest way would be to share this video. And, if you are so inclined, subscribe as well. 
I will see you all in the next episode, and I hope that you all have a fantastic time until then. Cheers.